It all comes back to sacrifice. Early to bed, early to rise. Isn't it something? Um, we don't do that over here, Kay. Man, what was I gonna say? Hit the snooze button. 100%. <laughs> I saw this thing on TikTok. <laughs> That's wild, yeah. Um, I, I had a leg workout this morning on a random topic. Um, I've been staying away from doing like explosive things since I fractured my foot. So I've just been working like a tow truck, you know, like squats, uh, leg press, like deep lunges and stuff. And I've been ha doing like heavy weight, but I've been having trouble getting like sore. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Not that I'm trying to just get sore, but it, you know, it's, it's like a plateau. Like I haven't been getting a good pump, even when I'm like pushing heavy weight and I'm finally at the point where I can like implement some explosive shit again. Mm -hmm. Like jump, I've been sprinting box, box jump type things. And today I like my first three quarters of my, my leg workout is pretty much all like body weight, like jump ups, jumping squats, mm -hmm. um, um, jumping lunges, just like really explosive things like jumping, as jumping as I can. lunges are hard. man. Yeah. And when you, especially when you like, you do like jumping squats, jumping lunges, I don't know what you'd call it on a bench when you do like kind of one oh, leg. Oh yeah, I know you're talking about. And um, dude, I was like dripping with sweat. My legs were like quivering and like a good pump, like my legs felt like bigger than they have mm. in a while. And it's funny how you just, you plateau and you need to like shock your body sometimes. Right, you know? yeah, yeah, switch it up a little bit. It's funny you say that because I, you know, I'm in pretty good shape when it comes to striking, Muay Thai, like I can spar for a while, like I can, I can drill for a while. I, I did this, uh, I think it was Monday morning with Scott Tranberg. Uh, he's been doing these, like, it's it's a kind of like a circuit drill. It's a cool drill, but you it's there's eight rounds. So you do one minute of flow sparring and then 10 seconds of like a really explosive exercise. You kind of like really push yourself with this exercise and then you go right to flow sparring. So it's kind of a nice way to like, I think he said it's good for recovery. So after every session, he does this thing. Hmm. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it with you. And so the first thing we did was sprint, like almost like line drills for like 10 seconds. You just, you touch the wall, go back and, you know, back and forth. And then, you know, I went to sparring and there's no breaks until the whole eight minutes is done. And then after we did jumping lunges and dude, I almost pulled both my hamstrings. Yeah. You said they felt like wires. Hey? Yeah. Just tight wires running across the back of my leg. Yeah. And I actually had to, I was like, I can't do any more leg stuff. I will pull my legs. Hmm. Like I could feel it was that close. Are they better now or? Yeah. They feel, but it took yeah. a, yeah, it took a full week yeah. to recover from that. Yeah. And it was 20 seconds of like explosive leg stuff. Yeah. So it just shows you when you're not used to something. Yeah. Like if I bench press right now, dude one set and i would i would feel it for a week and a half i bet yeah you know yeah it's weird man and even i remember this from like a year ago when you know i'm like squatting heavyweight doing all this shit and then at jujitsu one of our warm-ups is like balancing on your opponent knee on belly and they're moving and you're just trying to keep your balance but your legs are pretty much like in a half squat position the whole time and we all we did is one minute on each leg mm. and like quivering legs and like sore the next day it's just different oh. you know and it's it's almost like you know you could be in crazy sparring kickboxing shape and then you do jujitsu and it, you just feel like you're not in shape yeah or you're in great mma shape like grappling and striking and then you go for a first run in a year and it's like yeah you, you feel like shit it's crazy it's like, it's like anything you could be like a, a crossfit athlete a triathlon person and you come do jujitsu or wrestle you'll be exhausted you're just not efficient yeah 
you don't have the efficiency that someone in that field would have. Yeah. You know, it's just a different like system, you know, like the way our body like outputs energy, but it, that thing that you mentioned about working with Scott and doing like a really intense thing and then kind of flow sparring, um, this week at jujitsu, I had a, you know, after like my third round of, of, of rolling, I was like, you know, just that exhausted feeling where you're like, I don't think I can do another one, but you just have to get back in line. And then, but the next guy I went with, he's, he's been like feeling really good lately and really flowy, like very like controlled sparring where we're just, you know, not resisting each other and just going through the motions and doing like cool flow type rolling. And it was really cool to be like an exhausting, like hard, like grunt roll to like, you know, feeling like you can't roll anymore, but then you're just doing a nice flow one and you kind of get in the zone and then, but just changing that tempo of like mm-hmm. this roll to the next roll. Right. And then I think after that, I finished with another like hard kind of grunt roll, right. but it is weird to the body kind of like switching the tempo up like that. Yeah. But, so I like that little drill. It's like really intense. Like Scott will get on you. If you're doing like slow crunches or slow push-ups or slow lunges, yeah. he's like, faster, go. Like I'd rather you just like have worse technique and just mm. <laughs> like just go, go, go. And then we can go to flow sparring. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You like, really got to like test yourself when you're that tired, but you're just trying to like keep your technique okay and like keep your guard up yeah. and stuff. That's where mindset comes over. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Kurt would say like everybody gets tired. It's who has the stronger mind. And that's yeah. one of those things where the mind just has to take over. Everybody's exhausted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's wild, man. It feels so good to be like knock on wood, but it feels so good to be like healthy again. You know, yeah. like we're always dealing with injuries and I've been feeling like these last like two, three weeks, it's like my lingering injuries, they haven't been bothering me. And I just feel like good. I'm getting back into good shape and it hmm. just feels good, man. This is how, how much of a, like a trigger response knocking is for me. I thought Layla was about to bark. Oh, damn. Dude, you hit the wall and I was like, dude, don't do that. She's going to bark in the <gasps> mic. Wow. Yeah, like anytime somebody knocks on something, I, I get like this feeling of like, oh, like Layla's about to fucking freak out. Damn. That's so funny. It's so funny how like we have these patterns like that are embedded in us. Like last week when we finished the podcast, we stood up out of our chairs and we're sitting on like a rug right now. And Jesse got off the rug and he bowed as he like stepped off the rug in my basement. (laughs) And he's like, why the fuck did I just bow? And I told him sometimes at like the Remax office, I'll walk into like the, the, like the boardroom and like I go, I'm just unconsciously there and I go through the doorway and I like bow, like I'm like stepping onto a martial arts mat and I shake my head. I'm like, I hope nobody's seen that. Like, why did I do that? It's like the time I said, us instead of amen. Like or amen, however you pronounce it. My family was like saying like a fucking prayer. Oh really? Yeah, it was like we get together for Christmas every ten years. So yeah, yeah I saw my family this was a few years ago, and yeah, they like said grace before the the meal, and everyone said like amen, and I said, Whoa, "Are you know? serious? Yeah, straight up, dude, that's hilarious." <laughs> but it's funny, you just get in these patterns, hey? Like yeah. we bow, we bow every day on and off the mat. It's yeah. just like a martial arts thing and, and the Aust thing. Like, yeah, man, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's your religion. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. Um, but but anyways, with the and then I'll kind of get into what I was going to piggyback off last episode. But with the jujitsu thing, it's I'm somebody who you know I'm I'm anxious. I'm always like in a rush you know I'm always like there I have more to do I have more to do and I'm like you know I need to like slow down life sometimes and like even after really good trainings you know sometimes it, it, you know it, you don't always get that calming effect after like sometimes you feel good but then you know you get back into the car you look at your phone and it's back to answering all these requests and right. back to the busy life but 
this Wednesday, I had like a good like revelation where like after training, I was actually calm for like a few hours where like I couldn't be bothered. And I was just like slowing time down and just like not in a rush, you know, and it felt so good, man. I was just like in such like a relaxed state. Mm. And um, I don't know, man, for me, that's a rare thing to find, you know, it's tough. Yeah, it is tough. Yeah, no matter... <laughs> You know, no matter what you do, you could, I mean, meditating, exercising, it all, that stuff all helps, but it's like not the end all be all. Sometimes you could exercise, meditate, eat good, you could sleep well, and you'll still have anxiety through the roof. Yeah, for sure, right? Just the human experience. Yeah. You know, we can't always control that. It's very yeah. challenging. Yeah, and you, you could be, do all of this work and then the notification comes on your phone and now you've got to deal with this new problem and it's like, fuck sakes. Yeah. I, there, um, uh, someone I know there they were checking their phone like later at night and it was like possibly going to be something that wasn't very positive mm-hmm. and I'm like don't look at it don't look at it they looked at it and it, it affected them it's hard man. It, it's tough you know yeah. and you get like especially like right in the morning and right at night I don't care if the world's falling I'm, I'm not looking at that message yeah. I will look at it when I'm good and ready yeah that's the life I designed yeah if it's before whatever 7 a.m. or something I'm not there. If it's like past 9 p.m., not there. I'm not answering. Do you do you think you'll ever get rid of social media and even like change your phone number or anything and just live life? Probably not. And I don't think I want to. And I'll, I'll get into this later, but this has a lot to do with the topic that I'm going to be diving into. But yeah, I, I don't. I don't think so. I. Um, I enjoy it and it's it's part of the world that we live in now. So to get rid of it, to get rid of a tool that it can allow you so many new opportunities and allow you to like kind of express yourself through that avenue, I, I don't I can't see myself getting rid of it. It's appealing sometimes. Yeah. But I I just think where I'm going and again I want to I'll get into this maybe a little bit later but where I'm going with you know some of my new ideas and things that I do require me to be online and it require me to be good online so I have to put in a lot of hours yeah. and reps there. Yeah. See, so, yeah, I don't know. It's it's appealing to like live like a monk almost and just like cut it all off and and not be on there. Um but the other part of me just thinks that's that's kind of what I want to do, you know. Same with me. It's appealing. It's like a fun idea to play with, but it's like for, for work, for, you know, convenience, for, for everything, you know, like I am going to stay on it. Yeah. But sometimes I'm like, fuck man, like I just got to change this number or like tuck this phone away in a drawer and turn it off. Like it'd be, it'd be amazing. I haven't had that feeling because with what I do, even when I go away, it's like, you know, I'm never really off, you know, and right. I could be, I could design it where I you know, call forward my phone to somebody and, and, and this sort of thing. But, you know, it's just, I don't know, it, it's hard to do that. Like it's, I need to get better at like delegating certain things and maybe getting like an assistant or something. But yeah, it's, it's play for me. Like I, I enjoy it. It's especially now that I regained my focus with the martial art TikTok page, I kind of got fell off the wagon. So I had to go back to my purpose. And then this book kind of helped nudge me in that direction again. But um, if it felt like work and it was like draining to me to like make TikTok videos for martial arts and like respond to these comments, mm-hmm. then I would view it a different way. But it's like it's play to me. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. Yeah. Like I, I could do that, you know, all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if again, if it took away from it, I would probably stop. But it, again, it is play to me. 
And you know, sometimes too, I kind of, I kind of have to check myself. Like I'll be in a position where I might want to complain and be like, Oh, poor me. I got all these requests on my phone. I got to get back to but I have to remind myself like, Hey, this is what you wanted. Like you're not out on a work on a roof with a hammer and nails, like in the winter, like, you know, doing shingles. It's like you get to work from your phone and like have a good coffee with yeah. you. So it's like, don't bitch. It's like, sometimes, you know, yeah, it's a little demanding, but it's like, right. you get to work on your terms from your phone. Like just take, yeah. take a different, you know, perspective for a second. Yeah. There's this thing. Um, how did it go again? Um, create like a God command, like a King and work like a slave. I forget who said it. Say it one more time. Create like a God, command like a king, and work like a slave. So basically, like, you know, create your own reality. You know, maybe command things that you're wanting, which, you know, again, I don't necessarily agree with this, and I'm going to share why. And then work like a slave. Fucking no. We got rid of slavery. (laughs) I don't want to work like a slave. I don't want to work like I'm like you know, I picture like how a slave would work. I don't want that life. And so Silicon Valley has this new term, the new rich, the new rich is getting further and further away from like work your ass off. They're not saying that you don't work hard. They just said, put more energy into making better decisions and working smarter so that you can set up a life where it's maybe a little bit more play. Mm -hmm. I don't want to work like a slave just for what to have money. 30 years of working like a slave to have a bit of money. Yeah. I think I could do it another way. I think I could do it like the new rich. Yeah. So like if I'm going to be, you know, on social media and combining my martial art experience with something I enjoy, that is play to me. Mm -hmm. So now I take something I'm really passionate about. I have, I have, you know, relatively deep knowledge on, and I'm just combining a a new technology to open up more possibilities. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just that idea of like, you know, it's like, I just change it where it's like, yeah, create like a God command, like a King and work like the new rich. Yeah. Get out of here. That's cool. (laughs) That's cool. And you can take something like that and just make it your own. Yeah. I agree. Who wants to work like a slave? Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. And, and so this book, I was going to ask you like, if you, if, and we'll maybe get into this. So if you, if you look back on like your childhood or just like your earlier days, what are, what are three things that you can think of that you were like kind of naturally good at? Maybe your parents said something that they noticed that they kind of kept saying or like teachers or just you noticed your friends. What are like three things that you can point out that you were good at? And anybody listening, think about this as well. Go back to your childhood and just think like, what are three things that I was just naturally good at? One was just like getting along with people. Like in, in, in school, I never had enemies. I kind of... You know, I was good with like what you would call the jocks, what you like, I kind of had all different types of friends. And even after high school, like ethnicities, age groups, you know, like I, and that's one of the reasons I, I got into sales was because I, you know, I had this introspective look at my life and I was like, what are my strengths? And I always got along with people really mm-hmm. well, you know, like some people, they rub people the wrong way. And right. like, we know those types of people, Yeah, but I always just like was on good terms with so many people, You're you know, chameleon. <laughs> yeah. say that about Brian Callan because oh, okay. he moved so much yeah. he had to go to different schools yeah. and so he'd, he'd get these friends and all of a sudden they'd move and then he, he has to make friends again so he was really good at just like making friends yeah. he's a chameleon yeah. yeah so that was one just like getting I guess along. getting along good with people yeah. you know, in social settings um, 
Oh, geez. It's funny, hey, when you think about, like, you have yeah. to list three things that your entire childhood and it can be a little bit challenging. And so what are the things, again, like three things that I was good at as yeah, a child? just or? naturally kind of compelled yeah. to do and that where okay. you were good at. Um, I was organized and, like, took good care of, of the things I had. I don't mm-hmm. know if that kind of fits yeah. into that or yeah. not. Yeah. Um, I was, I was always, um, I was always, I don't know how I'd put this, like a hardworking or consistent or like driven. Mm-hmm. Like my sisters will tell you like, you know, we'd be watching TV as, as kids and like always when there was like commercials, I would just get up and start doing push-ups and sit-ups. Mm-hmm. Like when I was like 10, you know, right. like I was always like, just like driven, like, and maybe like in an, in an athletic way right. for athletic endeavors. But I was always just kind of weird. Like I do pull-ups on everything I see. And I was always like just doing shit like that. So this, this makes sense as to why you're doing what you're doing. If you get along with a lot of people and you get into sales, that's an op- awesome opportunity because you're going to meet all different people. Farmers, businessmen, young people, old people, conservatives, liberals, all of it. You're going to meet them all. So to be able to get along with them is, is great. If you're a real estate agent and a busy one, you need to be organized. So those are two things. Um, and then what was the other thing? Oh yeah, driven. So if you're if you're if you only make money when you sell something and you don't have drive, you won't make it. So those three things combined, you seem to have found that the three natural things that you just listed are in your life right now. And so this guy that I'm, I'm reading this book on, he kind of had something similar. I, I forget all three of them, but he really liked coding and computers and technology. But his attention span was very short. He got bored very easily. And so he got into, um, what do they call it? Angel investing. So now, and he, oh yeah, he had the ability to learn things very quickly. He was a very quick learner, but he got bored really easy. Perfect for venture cap or um, uh, sorry, uh, angel investor because people would present, hey, I got this. This is my business. You'd be like, okay, I'm gonna learn about it very quickly. I'm gonna deep dive into this yeah, and learn summarize it. Summarize it. Yeah, so that I know whether or not this is a good move to make. And then I move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. He's like, I didn't want to be a businessman and run my own business because I'd get bored. I didn't want to be in the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So he just, yeah. And, and so he kind of found his, what is it? Vocation? Is that the word? Vocation? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And so like the reason I asked you that was, that was in the book. And then I had to think about myself and I was like athletic, you know, I picked up with sports, any sport I played, I picked up very quickly. Second was video games. I was very good at video games. Mm. Any game I picked up, 007, Halo, Diablo, Mario Kart, I was usually the better video game person. I, and, I, and into it, like interested in it, I not really, just good at it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I could sit there for too long. Yeah. And, and I, I enjoyed my alone time as well. But it was engaging to me. Like I, I, I enjoyed that part. Third part was exactly what you said. I got along with everybody. Jocks, the, the punks, the nerds, the teachers, everybody. I got along with everybody. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, now I'm... I'm Muay Thai coach, that's the athletic part. You To be a coach, you have to get along with a lot of different people. But the video game part, I don't play video games anymore, but social media turned into my video game. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm playing this game on social media, editing videos, creating content, and I'm by myself. I love the interaction like with the technology with people, but alone. Mm-hmm. I'm not in this room full of people. Yeah. And so like, I was like, oh shit, like I'm kind of on that. An introvert's way to be social. Yeah, exactly. And so like he just said, like really try to think about those three things that you were good at and try to put it into 
a box to sell it, like package it so you can somehow make a living from that because now you're playing. Mm, I like that. And now you don't really have to work like a slave and, and you know, go against the competition. Yeah. You're just playing. And if you are like putting in a lot of time and working hard, it's what you would want to be doing. So it, it's not like a chore. Right. It's like you, you're kind of motivated to put in the time. Like look at Gary Vaynerchuk. Busy, busy, busy. He seems like busy. He's a madman. But he's having fun. He thrives in that environment. He loves it. Yeah. He's laughing. He's got yeah. these young guys filming him the whole time. He's going to garage sales. Like yeah. he gets excitement when he's doing all this. Yeah, yeah, he gets energy from it. So yeah, it's just kind of a cool thing to like think about. Just you know, and there might be a, think outside the box a little bit. But like, yeah, the three things that you're good at, and try to like think of like, am I doing that right now? Like, can I maybe add some of that to my life? And see, I I remember doing that. Like you know. When, around that time and, and this is a tough time in life when you're like you're younger and you're like what do I want to do yeah like what could I be good at and it's tough because it's not like an easy answer comes right you go years and then it's like you still don't know but at, around this time I remember like having this thought with myself like laying it out there what are my strengths what are my weaknesses what do I enjoy doing what drains energy for me and so I thought about these things before like getting into sales and getting into real estate and I think it'd be good if more people did that because so often we just onto the next thing, onto the next thing. And we don't take the time to really be like introspective and think, what do I actually want to do? What am I actually good at? What can I package and sell? Yeah. Like you said, and, and, and that initial time, you know, it's kind of like that quote, you know, if I have four hours to cut a tree down, I'll spend the first three hours sharpening the ax. Right. And some people just hammer away at life, you know, with this dull blade and, they're never fully satisfied, but if you take the time to like sharpen your mind or, or sharpen the thought or whatever it is, then you can kind of get on a roll at what you're good at and just be in the right direction. You know? That's, I was going to say, the direction you're heading in. So you could work like a slave your whole life, be broke and miserable, because the whole time you're working like a slave, you were going in the wrong direction. Or if you would have taken a, a year to make a good decision, and at least yeah. go in the right direction, now you're getting somewhere. Yeah, take a year, take 12 months to to do nothing but get your compass in the right direction. Right. And it will be worth it, even if it takes you 12 months. Yeah, and, and that's why I like going back to like the childhood thing, because I think naturally we we tend to have things that we're good at. Yeah. Like maybe you didn't notice it, but your parents kept saying something like, you know, you're really good at problem solving or like, you're really good with numbers. You know, your numbers, maybe you should be an accountant, you know, or whatever. Like, but it's like, try to really think about these natural things you're good at and, and yeah, find it in today's world. And it's interesting that you say this because I have this client from Ontario and he's like a big business guy. Like he's got a ton of properties. Like, you know, he's, he's a multimillionaire and he's, as I've been getting to know him better, he is the money maker. If anything gets complicated, you know, numbers, taxes, give it to my accountant, he'll say, give it to my bookkeeper, give it to my banker, give it to my lawyer. Mm. He is the money maker. He knows how to bring in revenue and do business. Mm. The logistics, the taxes, he doesn't want to hear any of that. And, and, and it's just interesting watching him because I kind of started to like see this and it's like, know your strengths, you know, yeah. and like, you don't have to be like a super organized, smart person to like be somebody who makes a lot of money. Right. And, and a lot of people like I've ran into like a lot of these types of people who it's like they're just a magnet to money. Like they're disorganized. Like they're not very smart with with a lot of, you know, 
specialized categories when it comes to numbers or taxes, but it's like, they're just money makers. They right. just know how to make money. Well, and that's, that's a skill to be learned. And that's what this guy's saying too. Like it, it, there, sure there's some luck, but it's also a skill. Like you kind of have to like build that skill to, to be able to earn money and make money. And that comes to making good decisions and getting put on the path. And he's like, a lot of people just, we're not thinking clearly. Like you kind of need a clear mind to really think about the direction you're heading because then you can go full throttle. So many people are going aimlessly and it's tough to go full throttle because you're doubting yourself the whole time. Can I go off this? Sure. So this kind of leads into something I wanted to to, to talk about. This is kind of like long last podcast we talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like we we can't think about, you know, legacy and about, giving back when we're trying to put out the fires of everyday life and take care of like our physiological needs and just like pay the bills and stuff, you know, we're, we're all over the place. And we, we got into self-actualization, you know, basically you have all your bases covered. You've, your foundation is so taken care of that you have the resources to learn how to be selfless, to learn how to like set up legacy, to do more than the average person has the capacity to do. And we talked about Rob Deerdeck, mm-hmm. you know, and the one thing I wanted to, to talk about that I forgot to mention was, did you listen to that one by chance or yeah. no? Okay. I don't think I finished the whole thing, but I'm at three quarters probably. At the very end. Oh, of course. So he, he, yeah, he, um, he has this like mastermind group and it's basically these like ridiculously successful people, like multimillionaires, billionaires who get together in a little mastermind group and they just talk they talk about ideas, innovation, this sort of thing as, as peers. And he says, he's at, you know, he's at so much of this self-actualization part in life where his time and energy now is going into like generational wealth. So the way, how he spends his resources and energy is how can I set up a system where my grandkids, grandkids are still rich and they're still thriving off of this system that I've built as a family, this, this legacy. And it's just amazing when you're at that stage of self-actualization, right. your, your energy and resources go into how can the people in my bloodline in 200 years still be thriving off of this system. And it's like, that's where your mind is at. You're right. so far ahead of this game called life that it's not about how can I put money in an, an account for my kid's college. Mm. It's like, how do, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just crazy to think like when you've like mastered this game so well, like that's, that's where you are. That's how ahead of the game you are. You are. That's where your mindset is at. He's creating like a God. Yeah. You know, going back to that, it's like he's creating his reality because he no longer has to worry about those uh, basic needs. And that's, you know, again, this book is kind of talking about once you don't have to worry so much about money, the play begins. Mm-hmm. Like that guy could have, re- the, the author of this book could have retired years ago, but he's like, I, don't, I, I genuinely enjoy what I do. I'm playing now. Now I get to meet with these really interesting entrepreneurs who have these ideas who they, they think is going to impact the world. And I get to like sit there and listen to them. And then I'm like, I get to decide what, should I invest or not? Is this a good idea yeah. or not? But he's like, I am playing. Yeah. I'm meeting cool people. I get, I hear great ideas. And then I get to help people yeah. if I want. If I, if I feel it's just and I fork over the money. And, and you know, he's like, it's play. So Rob Deerdick, he's playing now. Yeah. The world is his oysters. Yeah. He doesn't have to worry about money anymore. Exactly. Now it's just like, how can I strategically plan this 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 creation that I'm doing so that my future generations are, are spoiled, rich little brats? Yeah. 
And how do people remember my name in a hundred years? How do I like staple, you know, and so many of us are just, we're just trying to survive and make it by in this life. Yeah. And there are some people out there who are so far ahead. Yeah. It's just amazing. And this, it kind of, this kind of parallels into, because, you know, a lot of people, even if you're really significant, really wealthy, you know, maybe you've taken care of your kids, but then it's, it's kind of done. Right. But it's like, yeah, just listen to him. It was just, it, it, oh, it expanded my mind of like, oh, damn, like, you know, like yeah. maybe a guy's got to like set some bigger goals in the long term. You know yeah. Mean? Yeah. There's levels to it. Eh? Yeah. Like, and we're still young, I think like maybe that'll happen down the road, you know, like, and maybe that's not for everybody. Like, I don't yeah. think everybody is supposed to think that big. Like Nor can we. There's too many yeah. of us to be that rich. Yeah, exactly. The, the, that's that's the, the also the reality. Yeah. Not everyone is going to be that rich. You can't. Yeah. Not enough money. Not enough jobs that will that will allow that. Yeah. You can be financially free somewhat. You know, live within your means and slowly save and make little investments. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's there's levels to it. One thing that will um, that will help people get there is having like specific knowledge and not being replaceable. Um, so for you, can you think of anything that would, would like make you stand out as a, like a realtor? Like, you know, I'm, I'm, it's obviously a competitive, um, market just like most markets. But in this book, he was saying that if you have a surface level, if you have surface level wisdom or knowledge on things, you're easily replaceable. You could be fired and replaced the next day. But if you have some kind of deeper understanding or like specific knowledge, it's much harder to fire you. And now you have leverage. The employer or whoever wants you there. This is what Brian Tracy wrote about a lot in his like psychology of selling. It's like find your competitive advantage. What makes you stand out? What do you have that other salespeople and your competitors don't, Mm. you know? And so I thought a lot about it and I need to adapt and change mine because like my one thing is like, reliability you know like i say availability is the best ability uh, the best ability in this business like i try to get back to people right away i jump on things i don't put it off a lot of people out there will take a day to get back to you or they'll try to book you in two days in advance and in this game like it's 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 all about time like people need things now you know so like i try to jump on these things so the the one issue with that is again you know i'm talking about you know I'm 32. I'm almost 10 years in this. And it's like, I don't want to get burnt out. Like I can't be the asset forever where I just have to run around and get back to people right away and like just be on top of things. So I'm going to have to learn to change this competitive advantage a little bit and maybe automate more delegate more i was gonna say delegate yeah it might be you know you might be at coming soon to that stage where you might have to hire like a little assistant and i might i have to do it the right way because here's what a lot of people do and i've seen this fail lots of times you get established, you get busy, you get some young agent and um, people call you, hey, can you list our house, this and that, or can you show us properties? Next thing you know, it's, do you know what? I'm actually heading, headed out of town for the weekend. I'm gonna send my younger you know, person to, he'll help right. you. Okay, great. He goes or she goes and the people just aren't really that impressed. And they're right. like, well, we wanted you. Like this person isn't providing us the service we want. Mm-hmm. And I've heard it and seen it lots. Yeah. So. I need to do something more thoughtful than just like get somebody to like take care of my duties, you know? Right. Um, but, but it'll come, you know, yeah. I'm not at a place where I am burnt out yet, Right. but I'm going to have to switch my competitive advantage be, or my specialty, as you say, because right. it's like a finite thing, yeah. you know, like you're going to red line eventually. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I like this guy was talking quite a bit about like leverage, and he said like kind of the one of the oldest forms of leverage in the book is like being a having people underneath you. So being like a, a boss, and you have employees. Yeah, you have leverage. You fire them. You know, it's like that's that's the leverage you have. But managing people is challenging. It's emotional. It's just yeah, it's it's complicated. Yeah. The other one of the older forms of having leverage is having a shitload of money, a lot of capital. People want an investment, like a banker. You know, it's like they're going to come to you. You have leverage. You mm-hmm. you you're the one with all the cash. They got an idea. They need cash. They need you. There's a new form of leverage, and it's and it's you know. I forget how exactly how he worded it, um, but he talked about like like uh, someone who can code. Like if you know computers or you know how to edit videos really well or you have a personal brand, like these are these things that are, uh, you don't need permission. You can just go online, go on the internet, and if you can make a good code or if you have a strong personal brand, extreme version, Jake Paul, people will throw millions of dollars at him to rep his, their, their shirt, to drink their drink. That's that's leverage. Mm-hmm. He has strong leverage, yeah. and so now we're even seeing micro influencers with like little like bits of leverage. I've tasted small amounts of leverage. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's free coffee or like a brass. Yeah. Free, somebody just sent me brass knuckles out of nowhere. Yeah. Like sweet, thanks. Yeah. Very small, but it's yeah. like that's kind of like you know what he means by leverage. Yeah. But he said to get there, you have to have some kind of like specific knowledge. Otherwise, you're replaceable. Yes. And so yeah, I just was like thinking about that as well, like. You know, whether you're just an employee at some place, like how can you stand out above the crowd instead of just touching the surface on something like you need some kind of deep dive knowledge to help earn you more leverage. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough thing to find, but that's the key. Like you got to have something that others don't with whatever you're in, especially like we were talking about AI, like as rope and that that's what those robots are for that's what elon musk wants the tesla bot to do to take away mundane jobs but if you're a standout and you have some kind of deep specific knowledge on something you're going to be it's going to be much harder to replace you you're going to last a little longer Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah you know even just with like uh being a coach like kurt and i talked about this um right now i think at the gym i'm the only one with a professional muay thai fight and I, I want to have more. Mm-hmm. And so like that was kind of like a big motivation for me to maybe step away from MMA and, and really kind of deep dive into just striking like traditional Muay Thai or kickboxing, like Dutch style kickboxing, you know, and then that that helps me have a, a steer a little bit away from like Kurt Tyson, Adam, who are very good in MMA, yeah. a very deep understanding. And so I can maybe like stand out in that sense where the striking Gary is boxing, but yeah. I'm going Muay Thai kickboxing. So yeah. if somebody has a Muay Thai kickboxing fight, maybe I can be a little bit more of that guy. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just trying to like increase my leverage and value by narrowing that niche more and more. Yeah. 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 You're making me think, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why in business, you know, I thought it was a good idea to get into having a revenue property and to get into you know, general contracting a house and these things because it helps specialize like my knowledge, you know, because mm-hmm. um, there's there's some agents out there who don't even know like what's behind the walls. You know what I mean? Right, right. And it's like when you can like be in the know of like constructing a house from like dirt to finished product. Yeah. And when you know how it is to like, when you know how like the residential uh, tenancies like laws are with like the legalities behind mm-hmm. having tenants and renters, you know, I was always trying to do things on the side to like, broaden and sharpen my knowledge in the business i'm involved in yeah so that you know i was trying to just basically like 
and you know getting my broker's license even though i don't want to necessarily be a broker right like i'm trying to get all this specialized knowledge so like I am more valuable in like serving my clients. Right. So you don't always have to, you know, if they ask you a question, you don't have to be like, oh, I'll find out for you. Let me ask buddy over here. But it's like the more you know, the more you, they can just ask you the source. For and, sure. And you have just more responses, more answers. And yeah. then again, your value just goes up in their mind. Yeah. You know, I don't want to go too far all over the place, but can I go back to one little thing here? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just because I was kind of geeking out about jujitsu the other night with that whole thing with Rob Deerdick, right? So we're talking about he his thinking is he's so far ahead mentally you know he's just he's so far ahead that he's thinking about like when he's gone like that's where his resources and energy goes i know we've heard about people break down jujitsu before but man there is almost like a parallel to this and how jujitsu is it's like somebody who's like a high level jujitsu practitioner up against somebody who's not it's all about being steps ahead you know it's it's this physical game of chess where you are putting your opponent in a position for them to react in a certain way that you've already predicted so that you can capitalize on that reaction, you know, and it's always just about being one step ahead. Like, you know what they're going to do and you know how you're going to respond to what they do before they even do it, right. you know, and it's just this chess. It's about being ahead. And it's almost like Rob Deerdeck in this life. He's like, He's like ahead mentally. He's like ahead of the game almost right. in this chess game of life, you know? And I was just like thinking about jujitsu because I was just like <laughs> in the zone after training. I was just like going deep, you know what I mean? But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's, that's you know, uh, um, having like a clear mind can allow more for that. And you might like, you know, not everybody's a Rob Deerdick. Like he might just be on a, he might be a, a, a mogul or like an outlier, yeah. I mean. But you can still try to think more clear by maybe having a meditation practice. Like every morning he does the little pod. He has like a little meditation pod. So I think he's trying to slow his thoughts down so that he can actually make better decisions. Again, you could work your ass off. You could be busy, busy, busy down the wrong path. All pointless. Sure, you're going to learn some lessons. But how much better would it be if you just tried to slow your thinking down and be like, what are things that I'm naturally good at? How do I just put one step in that direction and then another step and another, and then it starts to like come together, but it's, it starts with that clear thinking, clear thinking. You've read the war of arts by Stephen Pressfield. Yeah. We've kind of talked about it on here about, you know, it, it, that book is about breaking resistance. We all have a resistance to do things. We have procrastination. We put things off. But once we can kind of find that flow state, the zone, what he calls the muse, I believe. Yeah. It's this creative space where we just have all this like creative energy and and we're thinking clearly. And so like you become like an antenna, an antenna and the universe is throwing the good ideas and the inspiration at you. Man, it's almost intense. And it happened to me the other the other day, and here's here's how it was. With with clear thinking. I've I make like you know, notes on different techniques and for jujitsu for this example. Um, you know, I've been putting off making, like I've had these things in my head of like, Hey, I need to write these techniques that I've been learning recently down, but I've been putting it off. You know, every day I'm busy. It's like, this isn't priority. I'll do it tomorrow. And next thing you know, a couple weeks go by and I'm looking at this like uh, martial arts notepad sitting there every day. And I'm like, fuck, like just fucking write it down already. It's going to take you 15 minutes, but I've just I've built this resistance. It's like, I just don't want to do it. It's like a hassle to me, you know? So the other night I was like, okay, 
I'm going to break this resistance. I'm, and, and so I opened the pages, I grabbed the pen and I started writing down like the first of four techniques I had in my head. Next thing you know, I'm like, as I'm writing, I have to think about the technique. So I'm starting to visualize it and I'm like, oh yeah, this is what we had to do. Next thing you know, I'm writing and I'm starting to write faster. Next thing you know, like 10 minutes later, I'm like on the ground, like physically doing these techniques to like an invisible opponent. And then I'm starting to get more ideas and I'm like, oh shit, I need to remember to do this more and you know, offset my opponent's balance more. Ah, I start writing, I'm like, oh shit, I need to do this. And next thing you know, these new ideas, I'm, 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 I found the muse. Right. I'm in this flow state where time has time is irrelevant and I'm getting these ideas that are like flowing to me and I'm like, oh shit, this is important. How did I forget about you know doing this when I'm on the bottom? And I'm almost like writing so fast Cause it's like, I don't know where this, this information is coming from, right. but you're like, I need to get this on paper because this is very important for me to remember. And you found the muse and you're in this space where it's just flow. There's this creative energy coming in. It all happens from like breaking resistance. It's like bringing discipline into the picture in order to find this creative energy space. Right. You know, it's like to get this creative artsy energy sometimes, we need to, we need to use discipline to get there. And this resistance, it's tough, but it's like, yeah. sometimes we just got to pick up the damn pen, open the damn book, you know, put on your lace, your damn shoes and do the thing. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're in this state and you're like getting all of this useful information. That's like so critical. Yeah. This guy, he said, uh, cause you know, obviously he's a, he's a multimillionaire, super busy guy. He said, no matter what his whole career, he's always allowed a minimum of one day of doing fuck all. And if it's a good week, he'll have two days of doing nothing, no obligations. Real, obviously, he probably still does something, yeah. but he wanted those days to <laughs> to allow himself to almost get bored. I forget exactly how he worded yeah. it, but he said that's where the good ideas come from. They don't come from an anxious mind that's scattered all over the place. Interesting. You need to sit there. You need to go for a long walk. And all of a sudden, when you're kind of just in <laughs> la-la land, boom, all of a sudden something will hit you. Yeah. And I remember hearing this thing. It's like, your ideas aren't your ideas. They're just out in the world. And once you kind of tap into that muse, all of a sudden it just goes like, shoot, you just pull this thing into your head. It's almost like an alien where it's like you get this little thing that was like in the invisible ether into your head. It's not like you maybe created this idea. It's like exactly. it almost came from something. Dude, that's literally what it feels like. I've brought that master key system book a ton of times where it talks about the universal mind. And the more we like keep our doors open, we, the, this this creative energy, this this universal, like the stuff flows through us, and we get this insight yeah. that aha, yeah. you know, and it is like around us. We just are so distracted in life. Yeah, we don't clue into these gems that are are there. Man, like, but that's an interesting way to put it. Of like, where you're almost at the point of being bored, because when you're at that point, sometimes where you'll allow yourself this time, and you be like, well, what should I do? And you maybe you're going, and, you're, and then it comes. Yeah. How many good ideas come to you in the shower? Like, I feel like that's a, like a very common thing where people are just like in la la land showering us and like, Oh fuck. Like I just figured out whatever. Like it's like these, these weird moments of like calmness yeah. that these ideas will come. I usually get out of the shower and go to my thing and like write something down. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Like all the time. I have it when I'm walking. <laughs> but a lot of times like I walk with like, I don't have a notepad or my phone on me. So these ideas will come and then I have to like almost turn around. I'm like, Layla, let's fucking go. I got to yeah. write this down before I lose it. I've been doing that sometimes with like my voice memos on my phone. Mm. If I have my phone, I'll be like driving or something big. 
fuck, I can't write this and I'll just be like, whatever the thing is, you know? It's like the universe is like, here, here's a gift. I'll fucking take it if you don't like, if yeah. you don't write it down right away or video record this. Well, like, a, it's almost like they like are pulling it away from you too, just as much as they're giving it to you. It's like a dream. That's what comedians say too, you know? They need to write it down because yeah. sometimes those ideas go and you'll never get it back. Dude, at nighttime, I'll be like, oh, that's such a good thing to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to make sure I write that thing down in the morning. Wake up. The fuck was I thinking about last night? Shit. Crazy, eh? You know? But yeah, I, I love the ideas of like when something just like, like the other day, Erin said something. She, you know, she's doing this, this online thing that I won't talk about too much, but it just, she, she said one of the things that she learned from this, this online thing that she's doing. And just when she said it, she kind of just brought it up in casual conversation, not really like telling it to me that I should apply this. But she said it to me, and the second she said it, it was like, shoom, it just went like, it just hit my body. I was like, I need to write this down. As soon as she's <laughs> done talking, I need to go write this down and then get to work. And so, like, it literally, and that's what kind of made me kick off my martial art TikTok page again. I kind of lost my way a little bit. I lost the reasoning <clears throat> behind why I was spending so much time on there. And just, she said this one sentence that's all I needed to hear. And then that combined with the book I'm reading right now was the fuel I needed to get on the right direction again. I lost my path. She said that, I bought the right book, read it, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I'm on the path again. Fuck yeah. Wow. It's so nice. Isn't it weird how books like find you? Yeah. Like there'll be so many times when you're not really sure what you're gonna read next and this, you come across this book in however, for whatever reason. And you start reading it and it's like, this is exactly what I need to be taking in right yeah. now. Yeah. And like, a lot of it, dude, it's, and somebody even messaged me cause I posted the book and they were like, I heard that book's repetitive. I'm like, good. I, I'm a fucking stubborn idiot and I need to be, I need the point driven home over yeah, and over and over again. Me too. Most of the books I read are all the same shit. Yeah. I need reminders just in different ways. We don't all have that superpower. I think it's uh, Suits. There's that show. Have you ever seen Suits? Yeah, yeah. A couple like episodes. Everything, me too, like maybe one or two, but everything he reads, he retains. Right. Could you imagine that? Oh. We'd be so smart. Man. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, Instead, we're talking about whatever the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> I got to read like 20 books to be like, hey, I have something to talk about. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. Speaking of that, can I, I don't want to pull another Brian Callen and read you something from this book, but can I do that? Yeah. Let's, let's make this even more boring. Okay. <laughs> This, I actually bursted out laughing um, reading this book the other day. I breathe. It's uh, Hicks and Gracie. I know I've talked about Hicks and Gracie on here before. He's to sum it up for people that don't know. He's pretty much like one of the godfathers of jujitsu. He's kind of part of the Gracie clan who like had all the attributes. He's like, you know, even the other Gracie jujitsu practitioners will say Hickson's the man. You know, so he has this book. I've been reading it, and the people who basically like, you know, introduced jujitsu to like the western world was like his dad and uncle i think like helio gracie and carlson gracie and their characters man are so funny there's there's such like old school like classic just fucking dudes like <laughs> like so old school like um he, helio like helio is um he would never admit to like loving a woman he's like that's kind of like pussy shit you know toxic masculinity <laughs> yeah like the most toxic males dude it's like i it's like i would never like love a woman you know i only have sex to procreate and you know and like there's they had such strong beliefs with with like their exercise regime with nutrition diet it's like he believed helio believed in 
you needed to chew your food really good to absorb all the nutrients. So a small plate of food would take him like an hour to eat because he would just chew, chew, chew. And they were like in touch with nature. He's like, my uncle Carlson would go like, he believed in like getting nutrients from the sun. So he would always sunbathe naked on the top of this tower and he befriended a couple hawks that would come and like they were in tune with it. Wow. And you read this and it's, it's like indigenous type stuff. Like they, like they, I think they see a lot of like spirit or like, you know, they believe in a lot of spirits and animals, like very connected to yeah. nature, you know? Some of the things, man, a lot of wisdom, like, yeah. like a lot of these simple things is like, you know, yeah, this would kind of make sense. Mm. But anyways, just like guys, guys, too tough for their own good, old school, toxic masculinity. <laughs> but reading about them, man, like made me laugh. And I just wanted to, to read this part. So <clears throat> Carlos Gracie decided to father as many children, preferably boys as possible. And he encouraged my father to do the same. Their goal was to create a clan of fighters. Between 1932 and 1967, Carlos and Helio fathered 30 children with eight different women. 21 of them were boys. When Margarita, my father's first wife, the woman I consider my mother, was unable to get pregnant, my uncle came up with a plan. My father, with my mother's knowledge and consent, would impregnate our African-Brazilian babysitter, Belinia, who gave birth to me and my older brothers, Horion and Helson. The whole thing, so they, they did by any means, we're gonna breed these boys and we're gonna find the best fighters do you know what that's a very ancient thing to do so if you watch like uh and i know this is a fake show but they, they this was very common like marcus aurelius type stuff like that that era um like uh game of thrones it was like you wanted an heir you wanted a boy every king would be like produce me a boy like in that show they're always like i'm gonna put a boy in your belly like it was like <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna like, save that line <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, it was like, but it was this very like you were always looking for like a boy. You wanted like a king, you know. You didn't want the girl. Like it's just like yeah, yeah. I wanted a king. You know, I wanted so my heir. <laughs> and then and then anyways, you know, we talked before about like Socrates. You know, like back in the old days, you know, they would go around to you know different villages to say, hey, I want to talk to your smartest guy, and we'll have a debate. You right. know, it was the same thing. Before I get into that, you just reminded me how they would, one of the ways they would test like the, their kids, you know, their, when they were babies is <clears throat> they'd like throw them like, you know, a few inches into the air holding them. And if the baby like didn't get scared, they'd throw them a foot into the air. And by the end, Carlos and Helio were like standing like 10 feet apart, like throwing babies to each other, like wearing geese, like little like one-year-olds with geese on. Oh, wow. And like the ones who didn't get scared, they're like, they're, they're gonna be the fearless one. Oh. And they would step further and throw them further. And, Was but, that accurate? I wonder, I wonder which ones turned out to be the, the fearless ones. Yeah. Like I think a little bit of it was like, it kind of touches on like his brothers and you know, uh, it's like, say, like, Hey, it's also a baby. It's probably going to get scared. You know, yeah. it's like somebody on TikTok was doing this. They're like, go to punch your dog. And if it flinches, you hit your dog or you have a smart dog and it senses a threat. <laughs> like. You know, that you throw someone up in the air and they're like, holy shit. Yeah, it's a natural response. It's a natural response. They're like not going to be a good fighter. Right. (laughs) But some of this shit made me laugh. But anyways, with like the Socrates thing, it's how it was back in the early 1900s in Brazil. Like someone would come from Japan and, hey, we want to challenge your best guy. And they got to the point where they they had like 20,000 people, spectators in Brazil, including like the president of Brazil to like watch these matches. And they were no holds barred, no time limit matches. And this one here kind of made me laugh because it's like, um, 
Helio Gracie didn't fight for money or fame. He fought for the honor of the Gracie family. In 1955, when he was 44 and retired from fighting, Waldemar the Black Panther Santana challenged him, a muscular African-Brazilian marble cutter who was 16 years younger and 60 pounds heavier. Hmm. So his father, he has to accept it, right? So my father and Santana, my father and Santana agreed to a Valley Tudo match with no time limit at the YMCA in Rio. A big crowd watched them fight for three hours and 48 minutes. Oh my God. In the end, Santana knocked my father unconscious with a kick to the head. Uh, and it goes on. But it's like, Dude. can you imagine? Think about fighting for 15 minutes. It's insane, man. It's the most grueling thing ever. I don't know anything that would be more hard, like more challenging than fighting. For, for just fighting it's your adrenaline's up the fear is there it's physically demanding like you're pushing and pulling for three hours and 40 minutes 48 minutes and then and then the land a head kick yeah or maybe it was a well, stomp i could imagine it being like you know two stubborn guys who think they're the toughest in the world yeah. you know like one of them's probably in mount for like 40 minutes, like just trying to get punches through in the ground. Right. But you know, it's, it was like probably took a lot of patience to watch. It was probably slow, but it just shows to like their their stubbornness and their like how proud they were. And it's like no time limit. Like we fight until one quits, you know? And, but I just picture like being in this place and watching them fight for damn near four hours. How could you not just <laughs> give up, hey? Like after the two hours, I'd be like, you win, man. Fuck this. Yeah. You know, but they're just so bullheaded. And that's like the Kimura lock. Like he was fighting this guy with the last name Kimura and mm. he he ripped Helio's shoulder apart because Helio wouldn't tap. He just too much pride. But he had he was proud of himself after the fight because he, he didn't quit. And he had so much respect for this uh, Kimura guy that he ended up um, bringing this shoulder lock into jujitsu and he named it Kim the Kimura mm. because of this like guy oh, who, who, who broke his shoulder. So, but, but it just tells all like the origins, you know, of, right. of like jujitsu and how like crazy shit was coming up in Rio and <laughs> super interesting. You know, it's like we read a lot of, you know, like psychology and self-help and like different types of books, but sometimes it's fun to dive into a book that's just like a biography on somebody's life. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's almost like a movie, like it brings you into that environment and sometimes you even learn more just on like how they dealt with things and, yeah. you know, dude, you can learn a lot from like movies, stories, like a lot of the books, sometimes they can be like almost boring because it's just like this how-to, how to start a business, how to do this, like Shoe Dog. It wasn't like a how to start a business, but it showed how he started his business. And you, you learn yeah. almost more lessons from just the story of starting an actual successful business than some guy being like, here's the steps to start a business. Yeah. You know? So yeah, even, you learn a lot. even with, I don't know if it was in Travis Barker's book that we read, but um, I don't know if he was talking about like the 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 brand famous stars and straps in that book where he was talking about how they initially started marketing and stickers. like putting stickers over everything. And, yeah. you know, you just, you picture them actually going around the city and just like tagging this logo everywhere. And you know, you, you can just kind of see like the grind of, of these, like what are now just like huge empires, like these iconic brands. And just to see like the grassroots of like how these guys were just out there hustling in the streets, you know, it's, yeah. just, it's interesting. It's play to them too. A bunch of skateboarders yeah. just with stickers. Like that's like their world. Yeah. That's all skateboarders did back then. It was like skate and like you just, Destroy. every, yeah, every skate park. Yeah. You just see stickers everywhere, graffiti. Like it was just kind of like that, that era. That was always part of like the skateboarding culture is like the, the rebellious, yeah. the rebellion, you know, the, the vandalizing van. When I start to not be able to talk, 
podcast is almost I know, over. I know. I was going to say, like, we must be getting close. That's funny. But I don't know if you have anything else more, but... Uh, no, I, uh, I think I covered everything. Um, yeah. You good? I think so, man. Should, we should name this one, create like a God, command like a king, and work like the new rich. Love it. <laughs> All right, thanks give, for listening. I got to give props to you because uh, you always come up with the good names, and I feel like... Uh, I don't even know if they're good, but yeah. We'll they see. do the trick. All right. All right, good? my friend. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>